Good evening, everyone. This world is really crazy. Uh, if, if, if one year ago, people, people spoke to me about war Russia with Ukraine, I, I, I'm saying you're crazy. Russian and Ukrainian enemy, enemies, it's you crazy. But now it's, 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 it's really, it's, all world is crazy. Not only Russia, only Ukraine and United States too. All people, uh, all people of this world, he crazy. Only God's people uh, understand true, correct. Psalm 11, verse 3 and 4. This text very close to my heart. Sometimes I'm reading same text and I'm cry and ask to God, God, why? But we don't need to ask to God why. If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteousness do? The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes behold, his eyelids uh, thy, thy, the children of men. This text does not speak of the foundations of our salvations. The foundations of, of our salvations in Christ. And he is indestructible. He is the rock of eternal salvations. This text speaks about the foundations of our life. What do we hope? Uh, what do we hope for? What gives us confidence in the future? The foundations is what help us stand or not fall. If we reading Bible Matthew chapter Matthew chapter seven, uh, Jesus spoke about foundations. Foundations it's very important for constructions, good building. Jesus spoke about two persons: wise men, wise men, and foolish men. Wise men use good foundations for for building. Foolish men cannot use foundations. He don't need foundations. He constructions. Build a uh, house on the sands. Foundations are very important, but very important good foundations, right foundations. Very, very often our work gives, gives us a sense of confidence. If we have a job, job, we have money and we can live. What gives us confidence in the future? Could it be good health or happy marriage or lovely kids? Maybe we have confidence in our country or the president, President Biden or Trump or who will next president, I don't know. Who can give to us confidence in future? We can, we can lose all this in one day. 
Remember of, of Job, he, he, Job in one day lose, lose uh, all animals, lose all family. Only crazy wife stayed with him. She, she really crazy. She said, uh, David to God and died. Job lose uh, all money. Lose good health in one day. David, David, David asked, what will the righteous man do if he lose all this? What will we do? Maybe now our life is good. We have good job, job, job. We have good family, nice house, new car, uh, good health. If if tomorrow we lose all, what will we do? This is good questions for me. This is good personal questions for for everyone. The following text, uh, Psalms 11, verse 4, it's, it's answer to us, answer for us. The following text give, gives, gives us the answer. We will not fall into despair. Let us not be dis- discouraged. We can, we can be calm when this world is crumbling. Why? Because God is in his place. This is really good, good things. God, God in his place. When we see this evil world, lot, lot evil in this world, war, corruptions, uh, government, uh, drugs, immorality, all. Sometimes we, we, we uh, cry, God, why? All people who born 1930, 1950, all American people, when he uh, look to modern America, he cry. All people remember America early 50 or 60, it's a Christian nations, but not now. This world really evil. All world really evil. But we have uh, confidence because God is in his place. What is place of God? This is his God's throne. God has not disappeared. He is very he should be on his throne. If we read in Bible, we can see in the uh, book of Isaiah chapter 6, Revelation chapter uh, 4, and book, book of Psalms, we can see throne of God. Throne, it's a symbol authority. Or God, it's a really king of kings and lord of lords. Psalm 93, 1 and 2 verse. The Lord Reigned, he is clothed with majesty. The Lord is 
clothed with strength, strength, wherewith he had guarded himself. The world also is established that it cannot be moved. Thy, thy throne is established of old. Thou art from everlasting. God governs. Governs is correct, brother. Yeah, God governs and controls everything. This is good reconciliation for us. God controls everything. When I lose job, when I lose family, when I lose my lovely kids, God is controlled everything. This, this is hard, hard true for understanding. Our heart sometimes against to doctrine of sovereignty of God. But if we reading Bible, we can uh, take from Bible really reconciliations. In doctrine of sovereignty of God, it's a, it's a doctrine very sweet to our heart. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords. Everything what happens in our lives, it's God's plan for us. Remember, remembering this. All, everything what happens in our life, it's God's plan for us. Revelations 4.11 Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. God alone troubles to come into our lives. Whatever humble us, we very pride person. Every everyone man very pride person. But God used all situations for humble us. God teach us form hope and trust not in ourselves but in God. Sometimes we trust in ourselves. Oh, I have good insurance. If I'm sick, if I have, if I have, will have accident, I have good insurance too. I have uh, money in my bank. <laughs> I have good friends who can help to me. But God teach us trust only for God, only for Him. Romans eight twenty eight, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called, called according to his purpose. We trust in an almighty God. When the foundations are destroyed, when the world around us is collapsing, we can be calm because our God 
and our fathers still controls everything. He still control everything. Matthew 10, 29 to 31. Are not two sparrows sold for a farting, and one of them shall not fall on the ground without your father. But the very hairs, hairs, hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear ye not the, therefore ye are of more value than many sparrows. God knows how many hairs in, on the or head, head and God control control all. We have a, we have a great promise from God. Isaiah 43, 2. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers, they shall not over, overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shall not be burned. Neither shall the flame kindle upon upon thee. It's a good promise for us. If we have dark time in our life, remembering promise from God, remembering word of God, reading Bible, uh, if we reading Bible, we, we can have lot reconciliations from God. God control all things. This is good news. Good news for us. Please remembering Russian, Russian brothers and sisters in your praise. Remembering about, about us when you will pray to God. I don't know, maybe this is my last visit in America, but I know God control all things. God control all things. And he, our father, he, our lovely father, and we, child of God. God give to us only good, not bad. Romans 8.28. God bless you. Thank you, Brother Sergei for reminding us that the foundation of God's people is not material things, but it is the Lord and his promises. He is in his, on his throne. And the throne of God shall never, never, ever be shaken or moved. I may have shared this with you before, uh, I am thinking about the children, birth, and so forth, and all of our experiences in life. Several years ago, back in the 70s, I was pastor of a church in Winter Haven, Florida. Uh, a couple had a child. I went to the hospital to visit them, and it was informed that 
the child had Down syndrome. Uh, I went to see the baby and it was very obvious that they had serious problems. And I stepped into the room to speak to the mother and the father. Uh, tried to give them some words of consolation and comfort. Um, the expression that we use sometimes flying in the seat of your britches, you don't really know, you've never been there before, you're just without any guidance, anything. I had never experienced anything like that before in my ministry. But I said to them, all I had to go by was promises of God's sovereignty. I said, God makes no mistakes. The father was sitting across the room and he jumped up right real quick and don't speak to me about God. I asked God for a child, a boy that I could play with, go fishing with and play ball with. And he said, he, and this is the words he said. He said, he gave me this thing. And he stormed out of the room. So I'm left with a mother. And I said, I believe that one day you'll come to realize and understand that God gave you a special gift in giving you this child. And she said, so I had prayer with him. His name was Jerry. Her name was Joyce. I was their pastor. They would take time turns coming to church, leaving the baby at home. And a few years there, I left the church, lost track of them or so forth. Approximately 30 years later, I'm at the same hospital. My father was there and had, had a heart attack. I was there, my father. I heard that Jerry was also in the hospital having a heart attack, so I stepped to the room to speak to him. And when I stepped into the room, Joyce, the mother, was there, and she jumped up off the bed and came and embraced me and hugged me over the Hatfield. Good to see you. And I didn't realize that I had walked past a person sitting here on the right, and it was the boy named Marty. He's now 30 years of age. I had not seen him since he was a baby. And she just went on and said, Marty, this is Brother Hatfield that I've talked to you so much about. The father called me over and hugged me. He said, Brother Hatfield, I want to apologize. He said, I stormed out of the room that day. I didn't believe what you said, but you said that God and give us a special gift. He said, Brother Hatfield, this boy is a special gift. He plays ball with me. I take him fishing. And he said, we are just great buddies. He said, God gave me a special gift. Jerry has since passed away. His mother, Joyce, stays in contact with me. The other day she called me and she said, Brother Hatfield, pray for Marty. The doctor's informing his heart is failing. He's about 35, 36 years of age now. And so we, my wife and I, we had prayer for him. The next day or so I called, checked on him. And she said, well, the doctor's report was wrong. Uh, he does have fluid around his lung, but it's not as bad as we thought it was. And she said, Brother Hatfield, keep on praying for him. So I'll share the story with you. 
to tell you that good news, but also to say God is sovereign. He doesn't make any mistakes. And as I said faith by faith to that couple, God makes no mistakes, and he makes no mistakes in every, anything that's done. Foundations of our life may be shaken. They may be torn out, but God makes no mistakes at all. Pray for Brother Sergey. <clears throat> he has a certainly very uncertain future in front of him. Uh, uh, we all do. Uh, I was just reading an article in the news there so go. And in the, the man, the article was uh, the evolution that's going on or, or the revolution that's going on in American society. And it said, America is not what it was back in the eighties. Well, that's, we all know that to be true. Ruth and I grew up in the fifties and uh, we miss that kind of America. We were blessed to be part of probably one of the best generations in American history. World War II was over, and there was great peace and prosperity and happiness at that time. Well, the future is in the hands of the Lord always. And uh, Brother Sergey, his American visa has expired. He has until July here in the country by his passport, and then he must go back to Russia. Uh, what goes on, uh, what happens in Russia, uh, that's in the hands of the Lord. He has, of course, family there. He has been conducting a ministry there. Uh, there's three or four churches that he's been preaching to. They're not primitive Baptist churches, but they're churches that uh, they invite him to come and he goes to minister to them and teaches them the truth. Uh, a couple of those churches, I believe in, in communication to me, are very close to Ukraine-Russian border. In fact, matter, I think Brother Sergei said uh, one Sunday while he was preaching, he could hear the rockets or the guns going off uh, just nearby. Uh, and the congregation could hear them also. So not only is there the physical danger, but there's also the issue that confronts Brother Sergei. If he is to, should be drafted and he's not on the uh, high risk at the moment, but the war is not going well for Russia. And so there is expectation that the Russian army is going to be enlarged and more severe fighting going on. I communicated with one of the other brothers there in Russia, Brother Sergei Latavrin. Brother Tavern said, from my perspective, what I understand, uh, the war is going to go on at least through 2023, through another year. Uh, pray it doesn't, but that's perspective-wise. Uh, there are four preachers in the eastern part of Siberia, Brother uh, Brother Veal, uh, What's Brother Beale's last name, Sergey? What? Putin. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, Brother Sergey Gecko, Brother Sergey the Tavern, and our dear friend Brother Vladimir or Bedimer. Uh, 
Uh, there's four of them there. Uh, two of them have military experience, Brother Veal and Brother Sergei Gekko. Uh, so they are good prospects to be called up to war. Uh, if Sergei were to call up to be to war, he has said that he would not uh, go to war to fight against the Ukrainians. Uh, he loves them and praying for them. And rather than go to war, he would be willing to go to prison. Uh, and so that's, that's the possibility that confronts him. Uh, last Thursday, I believe it was, we were in Huntsville. Uh, one of the options that we were looking into was the possibility of Brother Sergei getting asylum uh, here in U.S. and then getting his family over. Uh, that's an option. But there's a lot of problems with that, and it's not really more very favorable to go that route. Um, so he needs wisdom, he needs faith, uh, and I can ask you to pray for him and pray for his family. He has three children, and pray for his wife, for their peace and for their safety. Uh, and what lies ahead of them, they don't know. And neither does Brother Sergei. But he is willing to trust, and he is trusting the Lord. So <clears throat> that's the issue. Uh, does someone have any question that you'd like to ask about Brother Sergei? Maybe we could... Uh, Deal with that. Do you have any questions? <clears throat> I'm going to read a verse of scripture. I'm inclined to say from the second chapter of the book of Jude. Uh, if you'll turn there, please. Brother David caught me. <laughs> Jude, first verse. There is a four-point sermon outline that I have that I will share with you from this verse. Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ, the brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God, the Father, and preserved in Jesus Christ and called. There are four words that I will use to get my thoughts around just briefly to you. The first word is selected. All four words will begin with an S. Selected. Jude says we're called. We use the words called and chosen. But the word selected is a synonym for that. We were sovereignly selected by God. By his sovereign will before the foundations of the world. I don't know if that thrills you like it should. We hear terms. We can talk about this. It's so common to among primitive Baptists to talk about election and calling. Uh, I came from outside of primitive Baptists. I came from Armenian class. I was an Armenian uh, because that's what I was taught in the church where I went to. And I had no one around me at that time who believed the election and predestination. As God was pleased to reveal to me the truth of that subject, I felt like I was 
the only one in the world that believed it almost. And you were very fearful to say it, to speak it. And then the more you read it and studied and God brought you in contact with other people, you feel more comfortable to talk about it. But it, I think among, I think we sometimes become uh, complacent. Election is just, you know, it's a theological term and it just, that's that. So some people don't believe it, some do, so what? Paul said, Second Thessalonians 2.13, We're bound to give thanks always unto God for you, beloved, because God had from the beginning chosen you unto salvation. If that's all that verse said, that would be amazing grace. It would be encouraging. It would be strengthening to be reminded and be taught by the word of God, by the Holy Spirit, that God, before time ever began, chose you unto salvation. And all that that entails. Election is not just a cold theological term. The problem I find of a lot of people who, quote, call themselves Calvinists, it is a theological terminology, and it's something that they've learned, and it fits into the tulip plan very well and so forth. But this is more than just theological terms. When it really becomes part of your appreciation, part of your heart, that you can say, by God's grace, I've been chosen unto salvation. It becomes more and more precious to you. Not only is the word selected there from the word called, but my second word is the word sanctified. Again, 2 Thessalonians 2.13, God at beginning chose you unto salvation through sanctification of the Spirit. What a precious work, what a precious item that is that God has sanctified us by the blood of Jesus Christ. Unto him, unto him who loved us and washed us from all of our sins. Washed us from all of our sins. Who can finish it? In his own blood. Purging, washing, sanctifying us by the blood of Jesus Christ and by the work of the Holy Spirit, whereby that we are declared and made to be holy beings, vessels, whereby that we have by the blood of Christ access into the very presence of God Almighty. Sanctified beings. Oh, we don't want to use that term too much because it holds us up to our standard that maybe we don't want to conform to. But we need to remind ourselves that we are sanctified by the Holy Spirit. You're not your own. You're bought with a price. Paul will tell you. Sanctified by the work of the Holy Spirit, whereby that we are given a new heart, a new nature. Old things passed away, and we become new beings. We are to have a new uh, uh, devotion and a new affection in our lives. Set your affections on things above and not on things of this earth. Why? Because we are sanctified beings. Sanctified by the blood of Christ. 
by the Holy Spirit of God, that we might have fellowship with the creator of the universe, with God our Father. That prayer that is so common, but yet it is special, our Father which art in heaven. How dare anyone to call God our Father if they've not been sanctified by the Holy Spirit of God? And not only the word sanctified there, but there's the word that goes along with it. And that's from Ephesians, the first chapter in verse 13. And that is in this verse here, it says that we're sealed. The word here is preserved, sealed, sealed by that Holy Spirit, whereby that we are kept. All of you who know about canning, you know what sealing is, how important it is. It preserves it. I don't know, I won't exaggerate here, but I think my wife pulled out a can of beans the other day that was three or four years old, weren't they? At least four. And they were sealed. And they were good. <laughs> we enjoyed them because the seal held. You ladies know what it means if the seal doesn't hold. You test them. You set them. But the seal preserves them. We're sealed. Paul will tell you in Ephesians 1.13 on the day of redemption. Kept by the power of God. Preserved. Until we leave us old bodies. We will never die. But we are kept even through all the problems of life, the, fil the, if the illnesses, the troubles, kept, sealed. Sealed is not only a means of preserving, but sealed is also a means of identifying. It confirms that we're his and we belong to him. The seal cannot be broken. It is there. I think oftentimes, my father used to tell me all the times, Son, don't forget whose son you are. <clears throat> that set a standard of what I was supposed to behave like. That's true with our Heavenly Father. He reminds us that we are His, and His seal is upon us. Well, I talk, a lot of talk about the mark of the beast. I have no concern about that personally, but I'm more concerned about the seal that God puts on us. He claims us to be His. And that seal is known to God, and it confirms us as being his people. So there's three words there, selected, sanctified, and sealed. And the fourth word we don't like very well sometimes, Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ. You know, we like salvation. We like all that's involved with salvation, the glorious things about it. But what's it all about? Ephesians 2, 8, 9. For by grace have you saved through faith, and that not yourselves, the gift of God, not of works, lest any should boast. Verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Predestined unto salvation? Yes. Elected unto salvation? Yes. Selected unto salvation? Yes. Sanctified by the Holy Spirit of God? Yes. Sealed by God? Yes. For what purpose? Just that I might go to heaven? Yes. But meantime, servants. May God bless us to be faithful servants 
to be empowered by the Holy Spirit of God, to be stayed upon God's promises, and to be kept by his spirit to be faithful servants. Thank you for your time. Thank you for the opportunity you give to Brother Sergei and us to share the things of the Lord. I do urge you to remember him in prayer. God bless you.